Now, Pastor Rick will come and share the last message in the Chasing God series, Covenant Relationship. Morning, everyone. Chasing God, just, just kind of edging a little closer every week, getting a little closer and a little closer. And so, and so now we're here. I want us to have a word of prayer. I want to get into this. And, and, uh, and, and I really pray, um, I pray, I pray something's been going on, you know, in you. In you. I pray you haven't just been listening to messages. That you just ha- haven't been l- just listening to uh, words that are being spoken, but that something is going on inside of you. Um, this is our deeper, you know, we're, we're, we're talking the third year about deeper, wider, and uh, deeper, stronger, wider, I'm sorry. And, and this month, we're really focusing on going deeper. So we've been doing this for three weeks, and so, you know, what's changed about you? Ask that question. What's changed about you? It's, you know, nothing's changing in your life then either me or you, one's messing up. Either I'm not preaching the message or getting it delivered right or you're not what? I mean, something needs to be changing in your life if we're talking about going deeper. And if nothing's changing and we're talking about going deeper, then something's wrong, okay? And it's either here or there. Let me or you, you know, let's get together and let's decide where it is. But, but you know, I, I guess I, I just want to really get in your business a little bit today. Something needs to be changing in your life. If you're chasing God, if you're drawing closer to him, there is no way you can get closer to God and not be changed. So let's have a word of prayer and uh, let's, uh, let's enter into the holy of holies this morning. Father, I love you. Uh, God, you're so good to us, Lord. You've, you've blessed us, God, tremendous, Lord. Uh, the messages you've been giving us, Lord. I've, God, I've enjoyed digging into this, Lord. I've enjoyed chasing after you and, and God, uh, chasing along with these that are, are with us today, God, and, and have been with us. God, I just pray, Lord, that your um, Holy Spirit would guide and direct us in, in this, this last message of this series, God, chasing after you. Lord, help us, help us see it and, and God, for someone that's just been sitting here listening and they, they've not been doing anything else, Lord, I pray, God, go ahead. God, I pray, just convict them. Lord, convict them of whatever it is. If it's, if it's laziness, convict them of laziness. If it's complacency, convict them of complacency. If it's a, a lack of commitment, uh, God, then, then convict them of this lack of commitment. God, and call them again. Let them hear your voice. Let them sense your spirit drawing them, Lord, closer and closer to you. I pray, God, that you would just have your will in the service. God, finish this thing today, God, as you desire, God, so that we can begin building on this and, and going somewhere even, even greater with you, God, because of the depth, Lord, that you're giving us in our, our individual hearts and lives. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would have your will in this service. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's let's go ahead. I'm going to show you just a little bit of video and just remind you where we're at. Is uh, you know we're at the uh, in in the in the temple now, and and uh, and I wanted I wanted you to see um, I wanted you to see the veil on the. Was this the beginning of the video? Do we miss the veil part? Okay, because anyway, I wanted you to see the veil, but now you see the uh, now you see the the Ark of the Covenant as well, and and. Uh, Justin, if you do me a favor, would you would you play just play that one more time for me? I wanted everybody to see the veil because I want to talk just a moment about the veil. You see, as we swing around here from behind the Ark of the Covenant, you see the veil. There's the veil. And we don't know exactly what the pattern was on the veil, but we do know that it was made of, of just beautiful threads and and cloths and and. Uh, and, and it was it was something that separated. Here, here was the thing back back in those days that had to separate, and only one person, one time a year, could actually go in and be anywhere near the Ark of the Covenant. And the high priest, when he went in, he had to go in with the blood. Now, and what's significant about him having to go in with the blood? 
You remember the second, the second week when we talked about the intercourt and the first stop? Is you don't get the blood if you run past the first stop. If you don't stop at the, at the, at the altar of, of repentance, at the altar of salvation, if you don't stop and say, I need this in my life, if you, if you don't stop and say that, then you can't get into it. You gotta have that part. So you gotta take the steps that get there. And we're gonna talk about the steps. I hope, I hope I've got time to get to that point this morning because there's a whole lot of stuff. I, I told, I told my wife this week, I had way too much stuff. I mean, there is, I mean, there's, there's two or three months of stuff just right here in the holy place and, and, and the holy of holies. There's, you know, here with the ark of the covenant with the veil. But I wanted you to know this about the veil. I wanted you to, I wanted you to understand that the reason that that was there was to make sure nobody ran past the the first few steps, okay? So now, but we've been through the first few steps, haven't we? I mean, we've talked about how we approach God. We we don't come empty-handed, right? Or empty-hearted. We've talked about that. We've talked about stopping there uh, to to the altar of... of, uh, of salvation and repentance. And we've talked also uh, about the cleansing that is there. And then we talked last week about the, the sanctuary and all those provisions and things that are there and how God invites us to have, you know, communication with him that is relationship, not just throw him a prayer, but he, he actually wants us to, to really come boldly before his throne and, and share with him uh, all of our hurts and needs. And so now today, we you know, we've taken those steps. And so now today, let's, let's step on in. And as he steps beyond the veil and he steps around the veil, uh, with the blood, as he steps around there, the, the, the things that he sees, there, there's very little that is in this place because you know, this was not a cluttered place. There wasn't a lot to do there because this was the place where you actually finally get to meet God. And the first thing you might see is you, you might really pay attention to those two huge cherubim that are up there that are kind of like uh, standing as angelic guards over the Ark of the Covenant. But the important thing is the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, that's what it's all, that's what it's all about. That's, that's what this whole journey is about. The, the, all these four weeks, all these other things are, are about leading us to the place of getting to the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant is the place of covenant relationship with God. If you stop anywhere before getting to the Ark of the Covenant, you're not going to be in covenant relationship with Him because that's the, that's the whole point of it. It's not just so you can, I, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, they get saved just because they, want to be forgiven of their sins. That's not the point of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, just to forgive you of your sins. Yeah, you need to be forgiven of your sin, but why do you need to be forgiven of your sin? Because God wants you to have a relationship with him. And a relationship is more than just a, you know, a friendship. It's a covenant relationship. Like marriage. You, know, you understand marriage, that covenant relationship? Uh, some of you that have been married a long time do, and maybe some of you have been married a long time don't understand uh, marriage, what it is, but it's, it's a covenant relationship, meaning that there's, there is an agreement on both sides. It, it is a relationship. There's some give and there's some take on both sides and, and there's a covenant and, and it is made for forever. It is made for eternity. And, and, uh, and I hope we pay more attention maybe to our covenant relationship with God than we do in this world. A lot of the way, a lot of people treat their covenant relationship with their spouse but that's what covenant relationship with it is. And this is the whole purpose. I, I, I mean, if we do all these other things and we don't go here, then we, then we miss the whole purpose. I mean, it's like going through a spring training. You know, it's like going through two-a-days. It's like going through all of that, getting ready for football season. And then when football season starts, buying a ticket and sitting up in the stands. If you don't step on to this very last place, if it's, you miss the whole point of all the stuff that you've done, all, all this that we're going through to get there. Too many of us, um, too many of us are happy stopping short of that place. And that's something we need to change. And if we can, let's change it today.
So let's talk about the ark. There's two aspects of the ark I want to bring to your attention. But let's go to verses of scripture in Exodus chapter 25. And, uh, and you'll, see, you'll see these things, these two aspects right here. And some things that we need to share with you. They shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length. A cubit and a half its width. And a cubit and a half its height. So now it's describing this box that we're seeing in the background. And you shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out you shall overlay it and shall make on it a molding of gold all around. So it's trimmed out in gold. It's, in, it's gold inside. It's gold outside. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them on its four corners, two rings on one side, two on the rings on the other side. Same thing as with the other articles in the sanctuary. They were there so the, post, the poles could be stuck through them. And you shall make poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold. They would be stuck through so that you could pick it up and carry it. You should put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. And the testimony, this, this is when Moses is in the mount with God and God's about to give him the Ten Commandments. So God says, you're going to put inside the ark this Ten Commandments, the, the, the tablets that I'm about to give you. You'll make a mer- you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And we'll talk about that in just a few moments. And you see it there on the top of the cover of the ark. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it one piece with the mercy seat. And you, you can see it there, there in the background. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. It's like that whole lid. And, it, and in the ark you shall put the testimony, the, the Ten Commandments that I will give you. And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. I wanted you to catch that, that, that little phrase there. He says, I'll meet with you. And he says, I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Okay, so a couple of aspects about it. First of all, let's talk about the contents of the ark. That, that's important because, I mean, it's a box, right? You know, it, it's a box. And so since God said make a box, he didn't say make a table, didn't say make a chair. He said make a box. And so the box was going to hold something. I, I mean, the, the, the fact of it being a box tells me that the stuff that goes inside the box is important. You know, because if it had been a table and God said, you know, make a table and just set this stuff out. No, it's a box to contain something. So there, there's something important about the contents. And so you already saw there in the verses of Scripture one of the things that was put in there, and that was the Ten Commandments. That was the law, the covenant that the, we call it the Old Testament or the Old Covenant that God, was, that God had given to the Israelites. And so that was put in there. And so that symbolizes righteousness. And so here's, here's the first little thing you need to catch with this, is that this covenant relationship that God wants to have with us is a relationship and a covenant of righteousness. It's not okay to keep doing your own thing. It's not okay to come to God and say, okay, wash me clean, forgive me of my sins, write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life, but I'm going to go do my own thing for a little while. It is, a, it is a covenant relationship of righteousness. God's word says, be holy as he is holy. We're supposed to, you know, does anybody besides me mess up every once in a while? You know, you, okay. We all mess up, right? But what is he saying? He's saying you should strive to be holy as he is holy. And then, you know, if you mess up, hey, just talk to him. He's not, a, he's not an ogre God, you know, that is waiting, wanting to, I mean, he, he doesn't want you to go to hell or he wouldn't have given his son. Uh, on the cross of Calvary. That's not his desire. He's not trying to, to catch us in a, in a little white lie so he can throw us into hell. No, he, this is a covenant relationship and he understands when we make mistakes, but he, he does encourage us. We've got to do this because this is a, a righteous covenant. Therefore, when we do break the righteousness, 
When we do break that righteousness, there's something we need to do. We need to straighten that out. I mean, you know, those of you married, you know what it's like, don't you? I mean, if you mess up, you do something that uh, angers your spouse, what do you got to do? You're in covenant relationship. What do you do? Do you just ignore it and go on and act like, no, you got to go back and you got to kind of fix it. Everything okay between me and you, honey? You know, everything all right, dear? You know, I'm sorry I did that. I should have talked to you about it. I should have done this or whatever it was. And you make that thing because you're in covenant relationship. This is not like, you know, God stamped your, your, your uh, one-way ticket to heaven, you know, one day, and so now it's stamped, and you don't have to worry about anything. No, this is covenant relationship, and it is about living a relationship of righteousness between you and him, okay? The second thing that was in there uh, was Aaron's rod. Now, there's a long story about that, and I'm fighting the urge to tell you the story, okay? But uh, let me just say this to you, and, and maybe we'll preach this uh, someday. I'm, out of, I'm sure I've shared some of this already in, in a sermon at some point over the last couple of years. But it, it, it speaks of calling. That's what it's all about. It, it, was, it was a sign, it was a symbol of God saying, this is my chosen one to lead in this part, in this particular thing. And I don't even want to talk about exactly what it was because I just want, I just want to throw this at you that it is about calling. Okay. So this covenant relationship is about calling. You know, I've got a friend who's, who, uh, he's a minister and another, one of his brothers is a minister. And, uh, and he said, I got another brother and he said, he, he doesn't ever want to become a Christian because he knows if he does that God's going to call him into the ministry. You know, he, he knew that that's what was going to happen. And so he didn't want to, he didn't want to become a Christian, but can I, can I tell you a little something here? Yeah. Everyone that becomes a Christian, if they'll open their ears and hear from God, they will hear a calling on their life to do ministry. It might not be, be a pastor or, or, or be a prophet or evangelist to, you know, it might not even be to be a teacher in discipleship of some kind, but every one of us, you were created to be in ministry. You were designed in your mother's womb to be a ministry. You were gifted by God to be in ministry. There is calling upon your life. And, and when you get to this place of covenant relationship with God, when you get to that place of covenant relationship with Him, you are going to, you're going to know what your calling is. You, and, and you know, you might not know, you're not going to know when you, you know, you first hear it. You're not going to know everything that you're going to do the rest of your life in ministry, but you're going to hear and you're going to begin to understand and you're going to see the way that God wants to use your gifts. And some of you say, well, I could never be a, a preacher or a pastor. That's, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about, but every one of us, I mean, this is one of the core, uh, values, one of the, one of the core beliefs and statements of, of 2911 is that everybody has something to do for God. Every one of us, every person that has ever been born in this world has something that God gifted them to do. Something that, that, that they are, uh, you know, you remember that word I used last week, peculiar, and I don't mean odd or strange. It just means that it's just that you're one specific thing. You know, every one of us has, every person that's ever been born has a peculiar job to do that nobody else in this world can do except you. And you, you, so you need to get to this place of covenant relationship there at the, in the holiest of holies in, in your temple so that you can understand what God has called you to do. And the third thing that is in there is a pot of manna. And, and so it symbolizes provision. And so this is a covenant relationship of provision. And you know what I like about this? And, and you know, I hesitate a little bit here because I know that if we're not careful, we're going to just really, oh, there's more provision. We're going to focus on the provision, the provision. You know, we, that's, that's the thing I need. I need some money. You know, I need a better job. I, I need a healing. And we focus on that. And we miss, we miss really all the, the good that God wants to do besides just 
make us rich or make us healthy or make us pretty or make us popular or whatever, you know. I don't, I don't really know if there's any making pretty that is in that provision or not. Now, you know, I think you're on your own with that and your makeup and maybe your, uh, you know, maybe your plastic surgeon or whatever. You know, you kind of own your own on a lot of that. But there is provision. And it's there, so I've got to point it out to you. I want you to see this, but I want you to remember also. You remember the first week when we talked about coming and bringing our gifts to God? We talked about provision that week. There is provision when you pay your tithes and do what God's called. There's provision there, isn't there? I mean, there's already, we've already talked about provision, but wait a minute. We talked about it last week too. You remember? The table of showbread was a reminder of the provision that God had made to the, the children of Israel. And every time they walked past the table of showbread and they saw that, all that bread that was there, they could just say, mm, thank God he's been a good God. You know, they could just say, look at, look at the provision that is in Israel. You know, the, he's given enough to us and we have enough that we're also able to give something back to God. There was provision there. And now here today again, there's provision, the pot of manna, and we'll talk about this again, if I can get to that this morning, is we'll talk about that again. So, so in, this, in this covenant relationship, there's provision all the way through it. I mean, when you're first getting started and you can't do it on your own, there's provision. And when you begin to make some progress and get closer to God, there's provision. And when you get to this place of covenant relationship, into the, into the very holiest place of God and with his, with his spirit, there's also provision. I mean, he's just, a, he's just a providing God. I mean, there's provision, provision, and provision that is there. And maybe one of the most important things about the contents of the ark is what is not there. And here's a place where Israel messed up and you and I mess up too. It's when we forget what isn't in the box because we do this a lot of times. We think that God is in the box, but God's not in the box. God does not dwell in a box made with man's hand. Now, he, he said a temple when, in that scripture, but I can go ahead and say this. He doesn't dwell in a box made of man's hands either. That's not where his spirit was. That's not where he met. Where did he meet? It was, he was on top of the box. God wasn't in the box. He was on top of, he was the God of the box. He was the God over the box. He was not the God in the box. There was a time in Israel's history, very, very tragic time when, when they were in battle with the Philistines and they were losing and somebody said, Hey, let's go get the box. Now they called it the Ark of the Covenant also, but they were just, I mean, they might as well have just been calling it a box. Let's go get the secret magic box that we can bring out here and, you know, and let the priests do their, you know, their mumbo jumbo and, and uh, hocus pocus and all that stuff over it. And God will have to give us the victory. And so they went and got the box. The problem was the two priests that went and got the box, they weren't in covenant relationship with God either. They picked up the box. They ran into battle when all the Israelites saw, saw the ark, the box coming. They thought, okay, we're winning, going to win now because God is here. Because they thought God was in the box and God wasn't in the box. God only comes to the box or God only comes to the place when there are people who are in covenant relationship with him, who are approaching him in the right way and who have, who have gone through the, the right steps of, of being close to him and have established covenant relationship with him. Only then are the promises of the word of God coming to you because you are in covenant relationship with the God who is God over the box. And he's not just God over the box, he's a God over this world, he's a God over all your battles, he's a God over all your needs, he's a God of all your, over all of your, your doubts and your questions and your fears and your, everything that you, he's the God over all of that. And only when you have covenant relationship with him, and so we need to understand and recognize he's not the God of the box, in the box, he's the God over or of the box. 
Okay, so, so make sure you understand that. And so let's look and see about how he is because there's the other aspect of it. And let's look at the picture here just a little bit. And you'll see it's the cover, it's the mercy seat. The, so the two aspects are the, the contents of the box and the cover of the box. And so the, the cover is the mercy seat. And, and the lid there is where God, God, is going to, God is going to sit. It's where his presence is going to come. And, and, and the two cherubim, uh, one on each side, they're, they're just stretching over that and they're just hallowing. It's just like they're praying. It's like they're bowing down as God's presence would come and, and, and just sit there and just hover over the lid of the box that, that, that these two cherubim would just bow and just stretch out their arms in honor of God and his presence and his spirit that is there. And he would come and he would reside there. And we're seeing something. We're seeing something so much more important than, and, and I don't know if anyone gets this. I, I, I doubt a lot of people really, really catch this and understand what God is showing us here. And I want to make sure before we get away from this today that you understand what God is showing us through all of this that we've been going through the past four weeks. I, I want you to, I want you to understand what God is truly showing us and, and showing us this. Because one of the things we're seeing is we're, we're seeing the place where God's presence will communicate with man. And in Psalm chapter 22 and verse 3, you know what it says? It says that he is the God who is enthroned on the praises of Israel. And that when, when Israel would, would lift God up in praise, that was when, that was when God would come down and, and he was enthroned by their praise. And so see, look at this picture here. And you see the cherubim and what are they doing there? It's like they are praising him. They are honored. They are worshiping him. They're bowing down before him. And what are they? They are creating a place, what, for God to sit. They are creating a throne for him so that he can come. And that's what God would do in the temple, in the holiest of holies is he would come to this place where he was honored and he was revered, where they were approaching him in the right way, where they, they came with their hands and their hearts uh, full. They weren't empty and, and, and they, they cleansed themselves and they sacrificed and, you know, and they went through all of the steps and did all those things and they honored God with everything they had. And so God then blessed them with his presence. He came and he met them there. He was enthroned there. He was enthroned, he was enthroned right there. They, they created, you know, and... and you know, I, I've heard people all of my life because I, I was raised in church. You've heard me say I've been going to church longer than I've been alive, you know. And, and I've heard people say all of my life, I just got to get to church so I can touch God. I remember I probably heard the song uh, probably a hundred times in my life. That old song growing up, you know, he touched me. Oh, he touched me, you know, and I don't know what the writer meant when he wrote the words, but I know what a lot of Christians mean when they sing the song. They mean, oh, thank God there was a moment in my life where he touched me. And we're satisfied with that. We're satisfied with the fact that, oh, I came to church and I got a touch and who wasn't that wonderful? We're living our lives like the, like the woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember her? That when Jesus was coming down the street and he had this huge crowd around him and she had this, she had this, uh, infirmity in her that she had had for these 12 years and, and she was saying, I need to be healed. And if I could just get close enough to touch the hem, and she battled her way through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. And because of this reaching out to him and the power that was in him, there was, it said there was healing virtue that came out of his body and into her body and she was immediately made whole and she was she was made whole that very moment and then all of a sudden you know hey it was it's almost like it was over 
And there's so many of us, we're, we're treating our relationship with God like that. It's like, when I, well, when I get a need, that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to battle my way back to God. I'm going to dig through all this junk, all, all the stuff that is around me and around him that is between me and God. I'm going to battle through it and I'm going to get to that place. You know, and I thought a lot of times, you know, when my kids were small and now we've got the grandkids and they stay with us, you know, a lot during the day and sometimes at night as well. You know what, when, when, when we roll over and, you know, check on them in the middle of the night, if we were to find them hot, like our kids go into their room, hear them coughing or something, or God forbid, you know, somewhere down the road that we would find one of them not breathing, you know what, I don't have time to fight through all the stuff that I've allowed to get between me and God. It is at that moment that I need to be able to just, I need to be in covenant, I need to be right here in covenant relationship that I can just whisper a prayer and he hears me. I don't need, I don't need to be in a place that I've got to introduce myself. I don't need to run back out to the, to the altar and say, Oh God, please cleanse me again and wash away my sins because I need to be right here at the altar of the covenant relationship of, of, of the ark of the covenant to be able at that moment to call upon him. I don't want to live my life I like the woman with the issue of blood because here's the thing is Jesus is not showing up in our town today for a little while and he's walking on through you know what I can do I can ask him would you just sit down and stay with me do you remember the scripture we used last week where it talked about how the how the priests they were they were busy in, in the temple all the time because there was so much to do and they kept doing every day they kept doing the same things and every feast day as it rolled around year after year they kept doing the same things and this feast day and this and they kept doing the same things but you remember what it said about Jesus Christ after he offered his sacrifice he entered into the holy place the holy of holies right here and he offered his sacrifice and then he sat down. You know what that means? That means he's not passing through. He's not walking up and down this aisles and just gonna, uh, these aisles and, and just going to touch you and make you feel a little better in the middle of your... I mean, that's what we... Man, I've heard people preach that for so long. That's not God's will. He wants covenant relationship. He's not passing by. He wants to sit down in your life. Oh, and I, you know what? That's, that's what I need. I don't need a passing through God. I don't need a passing by God. I need a God who will come into my life and sit down, take some residence, you know, and say, this is a place I belong. And you know how you do that? You do it the same way Israel did. You do it by worshiping and honoring and glorifying him you do it by these steps that we've been talking about all these and this is how you get to a place of covenant relationship that god would just sit down in the holy of holies with your holiest place there is he will sit down and stay because where is the temple today where it's right here you know it's right here and and, and so this 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 mercy seat this this place of the ark of the covenant this place of covenant relationship is right here i, I don't I don't have to wait till Sunday to get to church and touch God. I don't have to wait till Wednesday night to get to church and ask my youth pastor, oh, would you pray that God would touch me? Because I'm the temple. I, I can maintain this relationship. I can build this relationship and I can get to this, to this mercy. I can, I can dwell in this place today. Because Jesus tore the veil. That's what he, one of the things that happened when he died on the cross of Calvary. The word of God says that the temple veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. It was torn. And now the way is open. But it's not open in a building. It's open in your own heart. 
And you don't have to wait for a priest or a pastor or a holy man to come to you and lead you. You today can walk in. But you got to go in circumspectly or, or with the proper direction and understanding of what it takes to get to this place, which is what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And then, can I tell you something? If you miss, I mean, especially in a series like this, you know, you know what you're going to, if this was the first message you've heard of this series, you know what, you, some of you are going to walk away thinking, you're going to say, what that pastor preached, that's wrong. It don't work that way. I've tried it. It doesn't work. But the problem is you miss one, two, and three. You miss the part about coming with, with your hands full and your heart full. You miss the part about stopping at the altar of repentance and the, the labor of cleansing. You miss the part about going into his holy place and bringing your incense or your prayers. That's what that symbolized. Remember last week? And making those known to God. You missed all of that. And so, I mean, so if you show up, to, if this is the first message you've heard in this series, you're missing a lot of points. I mean, you, you can't get here. Thank God for technology. I mean, the, I, the podcast, every week, I mean, if you miss one, if you're sick, I mean, all you've got to do is go listen to that. And, these, and if you miss one of these sermons, if you miss one of these sermons, you go listen to it this, you go listen to it this week. And if you don't have computer access, you tell us, we'll, we'll put it on a, on a DVD, a CD for you. Sorry, we don't have video. We'll put it on a CD for you. And let you listen to it. You, you need to, we can email it to you if you just, if you just can't get on there, can't figure out how to do it, we'll email it to you. But you need to hear these things. You need to understand. This is a process. It's, it's, it's not about let's run in and, and get a quick touch from God. I mean, your, your Christian life has got to be more than just these highs that you get on Sunday and then the lows Monday through Saturday. I mean, does that sound familiar to anybody? then break that chain. Come on, get out of that, that rut of up and down. Quit riding the roller coaster and become, become the solid covenant relationship man and woman of God that God intended you to be. This, 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 when you think of a throne, what do you think of? I mean, when I think of a throne, sometimes I'm not thinking of God on the throne. I'm thinking of bad things. I'm thinking of all these, uh, I'm thinking of all these guys over in the Middle East that their people are trying to throw them out. I'm thinking of guys that sit up on a high and lofty place and point their fingers and say, do this, do that, cut his head off, do this to him, to steal, steal his property from him and, and uh, add it to all of my property into my treasure house. That's, that's what I see. It's, uh, you know, so some people say they're scared of getting close to the throne of God because it's a throne of judgment. Well, that's not what I'm preaching to you today. So what's the truth? Is it a throne of judgment or is it a throne of grace? Covenant, relationship, blessing, and peace. You know, you know what it is? It's both. And you get to decide which it is in your temple. You see, when your temple is, is, is walking and, and acting and, and, and performing in a way that is, that is contrary to God's will, not just God's will for your life, but God's will, when, when, when you're acting that way, then your temple is not in a good place. And so God is going to sit on a different throne in your life. He's going to sit on a throne of judgment. But when your, your life, when your temple is walking and acting, and you're keeping it cleansed and purified so that he can be there, he wants to be there, and he'll be there as a temple of grace, as a throne, on, as a throne of grace. That's what he'll be. 
That's what, that's what he chooses. That's what he wants. That, that's, that's, that's what he's asked you for. And, and, and just a couple of examples real quick. Exodus chapter 32 was where God gave the first covenant. And we're, you know, we've been looking in the scriptures here in chapter 25 last week and this week where God said all this. And you get to chapter 32 and you know what you find out? You find out the Israelites have done exactly what I was just talking about. They have not honored God and hallowed him and raised him, but they said, we're going to do this thing our way. And so they, they create an idol, the golden calf. You know what God does? He has to sit on his throne of judgment. And he judges them. At the time that he is up in the mountain, giving them the covenant that he wants to have a relationship with them. You know what? He comes down the mountain. He sends Moses down. He says, you need to go see what they're doing. And listen, they are God's people. They're still his children. God still loves them, but he's got to judge them because they're not doing what is right. And they've got to repent. They've got to, they've got to return to him. They've got to ask his forgiveness for, for, for doing this, this thing that, he, that he, they shouldn't be doing. He has to sit on the throne of judgment in their life. But then we have a second covenant that is being given. And as it is being fulfilled and as it is being completed in the heavens, when Jesus Christ took his own blood and walked into the, into the holy place and, and, and he, he sprinkled it on the, on the Ark of the Covenant, and as it was being fulfilled and completed, you remember what happened, what was happening here on the earth? You remember Acts chapter 2? And I know we all get excited about that outpouring of the Holy Ghost and all that stuff, but again, that's not the purpose. That was a, that was a good thing, but that's just a step in the right direction of the purpose because what, really, what was really the great part is what happened at the end of Acts chapter 2. It's where 3,000 souls got saved that day and where every day people were getting saved and added to the church. Oh, uh, yeah, that first part of Acts chapter 2 is awesome and wonderful, but the great part is that people weren't going, People that were going to hell, 3,000 people that were on their way to hell yesterday are now on their way to heaven. Oh, that's the great part. And you know how it happened? You know how it happened? Let me show you how it happened. You remember third year? The sermon I preached at the beginning? Here it is. It's right, we see it right here in Acts 1 and 2. In Acts chapter 1, we see deeper. You know what they did? They continued daily. They continued in prayer and supplication in Acts chapter 1. 120 people gathered together. Now, there were a whole lot more following Jesus. But in 10 days, a lot of them had left, and only 120 were still around, and they were continually praying and, and making supplication and talking to God, and they were going deeper with him. And you, you cannot try it. You spend 10 days in, in, in serious deep prayer. I know you've got to work your job, but spend 10 days. Fast your TV. You know, and fa- fast your Facebook. You know, fast email. Just let everybody know, look, if you want me, you're going to have to come knock on my door. You spend 10 days of serious prayer with God, and I guarantee you, you're going to go deeper with Him. Sadly, we won't even spend 10 minutes, will we? Can I get an amen or an oh me? And they spent those 10 days going deeper with God. And what happened in Acts chapter 2? I'm talking about verse 1. Before verse 2, when the Pentecost thing happened. I'm talking about chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. What happened verse 1? It said they were all together in one mind and one accord. They were, they were in unity. They, they, because they had gone deeper, they now had grown stronger and grown closer together in unity. And you know, that's, what's, that's, that's what happens. I mean, you think about it. 
Tim back here, and, you know, and Joe right here, you know, Rodney right here. I mean, if I ask those guys, if I ask y'all to stand up, you know, y'all are probably, you know, 12, 15, maybe 20 feet apart, probably not quite that much. But if I ask those three guys to stand up and take 10 steps toward me, and they all had a, a common goal and they were coming toward me, tell me, would they not be getting closer to one another as well? And if they took five more steps, they would be getting closer. If they took five more steps, they, until, if they, until the, they finally get really close where I can reach out and just shake, them, shake their hand or whatever, you know what? As they're getting close to me, they're getting close to one another. As we chase after God, we draw closer to one another. That's what happens when a church goes deeper and chasing after God. There's unity that happens because we're all coming closer to the same focal point. I mean, this is where we're headed and this is where we get to. And at the end of that chapter, it tells us that 3,000 souls got saved and then God was adding to the church every day some that would be saved. How is it that it happened? We don't need another program. I've heard that all my life, and then I see people getting programs. Well, that's because programs aren't evil. We use programs. But we don't, it's not that we need another program. And it's not, it's not fully relying upon how much effort we give, even though we need to give some more effort. Come on, I, I mean, we do. There's some areas. We need to give some more effort. We need to be spending more time in prayer. We can't do the 10 days, but we need to be doing 10 minutes at least. We need to be doing 15 minutes the next day. We need to be doing something to spending our time. We need to be doing more effort. But it wasn't about the effort. And it was, even though those are things that we really need around, the, the important thing was all the way back to chapter 1 where it says they continued in prayer and supplication, chapter 1, verse 14. Look at it there. That's what it says. They were there in prayer and supplication, and they were going deeper, and they were going deeper. And that's, that's how the church grew. It's because they went deeper. Because individuals went deeper. The church went deeper. You see, I'm part of the church. And, and you know what? I can't do it for you, but I can go as deep as I can. And because I'm part of the church, if I go deep, I'm drawing the whole church down deeper into God a little bit. If I can get another one or two to just go deep, come on, can, can I find somebody else to go deep with? Jamie, come on. I, I, got, I got another uh, 15 minutes. I told you I didn't think I, I, I had too much stuff. I got another 15 minutes. I just got to stop it right here. Hear me. Hear me say this to you. There are too many of us who are satisfied I mean, I know people out there that they think they are in great shape with God because they mail their tithe check into the church. You know, they're great. And hey, I'm, you don't have to go to church to get to heaven because there have been a lot of people, you know, in places where they couldn't go to church and make it to heaven. The, the penitent thief on the cross, he didn't make it to church, but he made it to heaven because Jesus said, this day you're going to be with me in paradise. It's not a, but the Word of God also tells us don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So we know what it's about. But a lot of us are satisfied just coming with our hands full, say, well, I paid my tithes, that's enough. A lot of us are satisfied with just barely being saved. Just get my sins washed away. I don't want the rest of that covenant relationship stuff. I don't, I don't want it to challenge me. God forbid that it change me. I got too many things going on in my life that I don't need God changing all of those things. God forbid that. No, it'll give me... Just give me my life back. I just want to be saved enough to get to heaven. There's too many of us like that. 
There's too many of us that, that eventually, you know, step inside the sanctuary for a little while on Sunday and worship and then step back out. We walk into the sanctuary for a moment and we tell God, hey, God, I need this and this and this and this. And then we step back out and we live the rest of our lives, Monday through Saturday, like something else. And we just step back in on Sunday into the sanctuary. That's not it either. It is about covenant relationship, coming to his side. Would you stand and would you be, just come on and move this way for me, if you will, please. If you can't stand, just come sit on the front pew with us. I'm trying to figure out how to close this service because I had to leave out the last 15 minutes. I'm trying to figure out how to close this service and you guys follow me here. We've got... We're trying to get to this place and we're skipping steps one, two, and three. Come on. Come on. Just be honest. Which one are you skipping? Come on. Which one are you skipping? Skipping the tithe part? God says nobody's to appear before me empty-handed. You're skipping the, the washing part? You can't get through the veil without the blood. If you do, you can get struck dead by God. Maybe not physically. There's going to come judgment on your life. When you try to run in and you, be, you just look at, the, you look at the false prophets that are out there. God gives them a little space for a little while, but he brings them down. If you try to run in without, without stopping, you, you, you've got sin in your life, you try to run in. Become, you can't do that, and, and you've got to go spend some time in the sanctuary. I mean, there, there's something of all of this. God, and God is God. Here's what I want. I want I'm going to say this to you real quick just so you understand, even though I didn't get a chance to really preach this to you this morning what is symbolized by this right here, what you need to understand, and we don't have time to read the scripture in Hebrews, but what this is all about is this is about there is a throne room in heaven. And everything we've preached about these last four weeks is not about a temple. It's about a throne room. What we call the temple in the heavenlies is just a throne room. And the way, what he has taught us is he has taught us how to approach him and get close to him. And when we're coming to God, we're not coming into a temple. We're coming into his throne room. We're coming into, because this is where his throne is. This is where he sits. And in the heavenlies, this is where Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father on his throne. When, we come, when, you, when you come before him and you pray, you don't come before him and pray in a temple place. You come before the throne. That's what he said, right? Come boldly before the throne of grace. What we've been looking at for the past four weeks is we've been looking at a picture of the eternal heavenly throne room and so he's not invited us into a temple he's invited us into the throne room and he has invited us by saying come boldly before the throne this is the throne and there's only one way to approach a throne and I hope you're comfortable following me here today but I want to ask you if you can't bow if you can't kneel then find a seat to sit down but I want to ask you can we genuflect before him today can we honor him as he deserves to be honored? Could you just drop to a knee with me today? And can we apologize for skipping step one, two, three, whatever it was? And can we, can we recognize and honor him today for really who he is and the way he deserves to be honored? If you need to back up and handle one, two, or three, go ahead. But go, go to the ark today. Go to the throne today make covenant relationship with him don't just ask him to save you of your sins 
Ask Him to let you be in covenant relationship with Him every day of your life. I need you to sit down in my life, God. I've got some real problems. I don't want you to visit me. I want you to sit down and stay, God. Jamie's going to sing. But don't join her in singing until we finish this prayer.